Welcome to the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short, a podcast show that features stories and life lessons told by American women of Filipino descent. We're your co-hosts, Jen Amos. And I'm Nani Dominguez. And thank you for joining us. If today's conversation resonates with you, text us and let us know at 415-484-8329. And if you want to show us some love, buy us boba at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jen and Nani. It says coffee, but we love boba. Again, that's www.buymeacoffee.com slash Jen and Nani. Awesome. With that said, thank you all for your love and support. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short. I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And of course, as always, I have Nani Dominguez with me as well. Nani, welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you had a great week. Yeah, absolutely. At the time that this episode gets released, it is the beginning of June. So we hope that the start of June has been off to a great start for all of you. I know for me, I had been kind of working a lot in May to sort of set up my new schedule for June. So I'd like to think at the time that this episode gets out, I had already a very busy week because <laughs> I'm starting to put more stuff on my calendar, but it's great. It's, it's great to kind of enter a new month. And it's sort of still kind of weird that like, although things are starting to open up, Nani, I still feel like we're in this weird bubble of like, you know, the pandemic and COVID and stuff. So I don't know if you had any like initial thoughts on that. And like, even though here we are basically halfway through the year, like we're still sort of in this weird bubble of a weird time and place with the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel that awkwardness in like re-entering back into normalcy, quote unquote. Yeah. I think that there's also a lot of polarization still about like what we were just talking about offline people getting the vaccine and kind of the collective like pressure that yeah. government and society is kind of like putting yeah. on us to do that. And so I think there's a lot of like judgy eyes going around for yeah. as people start to go out again and like talking about travel passports and kids going back to school. You know, I've been hearing a lot about how the kids are now approved to do the 12 to 15 get the vaccine if they're ages 12 to 15. And if they don't, then they have to, you know, go through all these extra steps to just to go back to school. Yeah. And so yeah, it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting climate. I think people are getting really excited to like resume their travel and party plans. And <laughs> I think I did talk about this in the newsletter a little bit last week, or at the time of this recording two weeks ago, I don't know. But, you know, I think it's important to just note that while we've all been in this together since the COVID-19 hit the world, we have not been all traveling in the same boat and we've all been impacted in different ways. And so I think it's important to note that while you may be getting excited because you're vaccinated and you have party plans for the summer and the weather is, is nice outside and, you know, you can start having fun again, like there's still a lot of communities that have been really just like wreaked havoc on and yeah. places around the world that are not in the same position, especially back home in the Philippines, you know, they just got their vaccines and started distributing them. And so it's just a privilege to be here in a place like this, where we are kind of from the looks of it ahead of the curve 
in comparison to the rest of the world. So I did just want to mention that. And other than that, you have every right to get excited to go outside again and party and have fun and do whatever it is you're going to do. But please just remember to be safe and responsible and don't be reckless. Thank yeah. you <laughs> from, <laughs> from the mom over here. <laughs> yeah. Our upcoming mother <laughs> on our show. Well, thank you for saying that Nani. And yeah, it's, it's so weird. Cause I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that America as a whole is, is huge, you know, 50 States. And so each state, you know, treats this differently, you know, yeah. like there's certain states that are already have been open, you know, fully without like masks for some time now. And then there's some that are still locked down and, and are really trying to hunker down on, you know, you need to get vaccinated or else, you know, keep your mask on or you can't go out. And, yeah. you know, this, we're not, we're not here to say what you should do. Nani and I did discuss this a little bit offline. So if you want to know more, follow us at Chismas with Jen and Nani at biasvo.com. But, you know, kind of thinking for yourself, like, what does this mean for you now that things are starting to open up and how are you going going to, you know, go out there, conduct yourself, you know, respect other people's space and what they prefer. Like, I know for me, if I do meet up with people, I always ask ahead of time, do you want me to wear a mask? You know, like, like, is that, is that a thing for you? Cause I, rather than be like, Oh, my Liberty, I'm going to keep my mask off just cause it's more yeah. like, I do want to be respectful of people. Like, despite where, how I feel, you know, it's like, well, do you need that? Especially if they work in the healthcare, you know, industry, it's like, do you want me to wear a mask when I'm around you? Even especially when we're indoors, like you just let me know. So yeah, just being mindful of that. And so I think it's a very exciting time. At the same time, I, I also feel like people are also anxious, right? Because because of that, like, okay, I want to go out, but like, what are people going to think if I didn't get vaccinated yet or whatever, you know, like whatever yeah. the case. And so let's all give each other some grace rather than like, you know, pointing people out or shaming people for not maybe doing the same thing you're doing to just, you know, be mindful because it's been hard for all of us. We've all been stuck at home and if we're all pent up. We get it. And if you could just give everyone grace, you know, for the choices they make, once things start opening up again, then that's it. That's all I ask is give everyone grace. That's my only ask. Other than that, like it's all you. Yeah, honor <laughs> um, everyone's agency the way that you want them to honor yours. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyway, with that said, if you want to engage with us, if this conversation today is compelling to you, just know that we have a phone number. You can text us or leave us a voice message at 415-484-8329. I would love for someone to leave a voice message, Nani. Like we have yet like any to leave a voice message that we can play on here. Like, which is fine. I think like, the last voice message we got was from like some old Filipino guy who I think he had the wrong number. I don't know how he got our number, but he yeah. was like talking about his medication or something. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't even yeah. listen to that. That's so funny. Yeah. You have um, to go back and listen to it. Cause I was like, wait, is this a joke or <laughs> should I call him back? <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's play that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we would love that, especially because it's interesting because when we were in the first season, we did have a couple people actually leave us some voice messages. But mm -hmm. I think that now that we've given people the opportunity to text us, they prefer it. Like they prefer texting rather than like audio messages, which is fine. You know, obviously we want to meet you where you're at, but just letting you know, I would love it <laughs> if you left a voice message message that we could play on the air. So if you want to do that, if you want to make Jen happy just for a little bit, leave us a voice message that we could play on the air. But anyway, that phone number is 415-484-8329. 
And as you know, everything that you need to do to get a hold of us, we do have it in the show notes of this episode, but you can also check out our website at tifaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W project.com. Last but not least, if you are interested in supporting our show and really dive in deeper with Nani and I in regards to what we really think and our perception of things, and maybe even inviting people in our family or our circle on the show, check us out at biasboba.com. We have a private podcast show that's been out for a couple of weeks now called Chismas with Jen and Nani. Nani, any thoughts? <laughs> Because, you, you know, you and I have been talking about this forever and it's finally been out since episode 100. Let's convince people, you know, why they should even just look it up at biasboba.com. Yeah. So we're giving you guys a little bit of a slow rollout to get used to, well, more so giving ourselves <laughs> a slow rollout to get used to this new cadence that we have creating content for two platforms. So we're doing a little bit of switching back and forth between Christmas with Jen and Nani and the Tifa project and trying to pace ourselves with releasing content for each. But we are eventually going to be focusing more of our time and attention on that podcast because a lot of the feedback that we've gotten from you guys over the course of the last two years has been we want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. We want to know, you know, more insight into your life and kind of the more nuanced parts of what it means to be Filipina today. And so yeah. that includes, you know, talking about touchier subjects that we may not want to, you know, kind of information or personal opinions and feelings that we may not want to um, expose publicly, but mm-hmm. for people that really want to be in community with us and really want to have those deeper dive type of conversations and hear from people like our husbands, our fiancés, our dads, our moms, our friends, people that are not Filipino American women and what their experience is on how our culture, how they interpret our culture affects our relationships with them and the way that we move about in the world. That is the kind of stuff that we'll be putting up there as well as reconnecting with some of your guys' favorite past guests from the Tifa project that we've already interviewed and really giving them the mic and highlighting what they do and kind of giving them the floor to to teach us something. So we just have a lot, a lot planned and not to mention all the chismas that we're going to be putting on there. (laughs) Like we mentioned before, just we're going to be getting a lot more personal. We're going to be sharing a lot more of our personal stories, experiences, Christmas from our, you know, recent endeavors. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess you can call it with other people, with the community, with people that we have, you know, had not so smooth relationships with and kind of just sharing with you guys how we work through that and what we've done to move through those situations. So anyway, it will just be some really good Christmas and we want you guys to join us over there so that you can share and weigh in and participate in these interactive events because they are also going to be interactive with you guys. It's not just going to be us recording podcasts and publishing them out for you guys to listen to, but actual opportunities for you guys to join us live, ask questions, be a part of the workshops, et cetera. Yeah. Beautifully said as always, Nani. Yeah. So once again, you can learn more about that at biasboba.com. All right. Without further ado, Michelle Villas Whirl has been waiting so patiently, just listening to us do our announcements. So (laughs) once again, we have an amazing guest with us, actually a sibling from a past guest that we had on our show. So Michelle Villas Whirl 
If you're on your phone, listening to this podcast, go to Instagram right now and follow her. Her Instagram handle is worldbit, which is spelled W-E-R-L-E-B-I-T. So that's worldbits on Instagram. And without further ado, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. I'm also going to give people the opportunity to follow me on my original Instagram, which is more private. And they'll have the opportunity to see like what my life was more like growing up. So more photos of my mom and my family. But that one's Shelly Bean 32. So it's C-H-E-L-L-E-Y-B-E-A-N 32. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And of course, to our listeners, that will also be in the show notes. So if you, for whatever reason, didn't know how to spell that, that's down there. You can copy and paste it and search it in Instagram, but Whirlbit or Shellybean32. Awesome. Well, we're just really excited because, you know, backstory, we have been emailing Michelle back and forth for some time now and engaging with you as well as your sister. So let's just start with you sharing. How did you hear about the podcast and what compelled you to be part of our conversation today? So no surprise, I I heard from my sister and yeah, I, I mean, I actually binge listened to Stories with Sapphire before I finally like listened to the Filipino American Women Project because I guess at the time I was in Reno on vacation, I just felt like I really needed to touch base with my culture and one of my favorite stories is like the horror stories of the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, Sapphire is definitely the go-to person for those stories. Yeah, my aunt has like some wild stories. So I felt right at home with those. And they're mm. weirdly calming up until you turn them off and try to go to sleep. <laughs> and then you're just thinking about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's hilarious. Like that's part of the reason like why I don't really like to watch scary things or suspenseful things. Cause to me, I see it as like unnecessary stress. I was like, my life is already stressful. Like why do I want that added stress in my I have life? Enough to be afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Like I am afraid when my dog barks, I'm like, who's there? Like who's going to murder us? You know, like it's already scary when my dog barks. So I'm just like, okay, that obviously I don't have a tolerance for that, but you know, definitely kudos to Sapphire who has been on our show twice actually. So really quickly, if you want to learn more about Sapphire, she was on our show for episode 52, actually back at the start of the pandemic, March 9, 2020, as well as episode 76, which was for, for Halloween. She, yeah, for Halloween, like she helped us wrap up Filipino American History Month, which also happens to be the same month as Halloween. So it was like a double whammy for her. She's like, oh, this is perfect. Like I got to talk about scary stuff and I got to talk about Filipino American history. So it was just really perfect to, you know, wrap up you know, the conversation with her. And also just for our listeners to know, if you want to learn more about Michelle's sister, April Whirl, she actually joined us in episode 94, which was earlier this year, February 19th, 2021. So she was such a pleasure to speak to. And I know that you two were talking to each other before she went on. And I think you guys like shared ideas of like, oh, make sure you mention this, <laughs> you know, when you chat and stuff. So it was before I finally submit, she was like, you really need to submit that now. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. Because originally I was going to have her read through my answers before I submitted mine. And this was after her interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're here now. And I, I just really want to you know, thank you really for taking the time to fill out the application because, you know, I just know that like, you know, really when we talk to guests, we let them know like, Hey, you know, just fill out the basic stuff and let us know how we can get a hold of you. Everything else is optional, but I tend to find that, you know, guests like to sort of use this as a self-reflection in a way of like their life and their situation. So for you to have taken that time to fill out, you know, the application, I just want to thank you for that. <laughs> 
to give everyone who's listening a little bit of an idea of what that was like, and maybe you're going through the same thing right now. I was telling Jen and Ani before we started recording that this is probably like my ninth draft that I actually sent in. <laughs> I had a really hard time condensing or just like focusing what I wanted to say on each answer. So yeah, that ninth draft is basically what I ended up with. Yeah. And, you know, again, we appreciate you like really just investing that time and wanting to like hone in on your messaging. And, you know, either way, I feel like Nani and I do a pretty good job trying to find like the common theme in someone's story when we talk to them long enough. But I don't know, Nani, any thoughts on Michelle's application? (laughs) We definitely appreciate you being so thorough. And I think what Jen is trying to say is we really use those applications as more of a guide for the conversation and more of an opportunity for you to prep what you want to share and what you want to say. And so for us, you can fill that out a million times, but by the time we get to the actual interview, we might end up talking about something completely different, you know, depending on where the conversation takes us. And I know that we have been in contact with you for a pretty long time via email. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've interacted with me a lot on my blog too. So I feel like in a way, I already know a lot (laughs) about you and, you know, you already feel very familiar to me. So I think that it will be interesting for us to expand on what you put in there. But even though you filled it out nine times, this is going to be like another 10th time filling it out, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's like you can prepare. And then when you go on, you're like, oh, wow, that was not mentioned in the application, but cool. But here we are. Yes. That's usually how that goes. Yeah. Well, you know, Michelle, as you know, the show is called the Filipino American Woman Project. And I just want to share with listeners who are joining us, like maybe for the first time, the name really came like way back in December, 2016, when I started this project, I chose the Filipino American woman because that's who I identify as. And I, for me, it was more about like trying to find other people who identified as the same. However, as the years have gone by, I find that that definition has expanded. You know, nowadays you hear people identifying as Philippine X, you know, or maybe not even wanting to identify as Filipina, wanting to identify with their indigenous roots, you know? And so I say all that just to kind of like, let you all know, like how, even though the name is still the same from the beginning, this show has really evolved because of people such as yourself, Michelle, coming on to help us continue to expand definition or even give us a different perspective or maybe a different label or concept to think about. So all that being said, we'd love for you to share a little bit about your family background and what does it mean for you to be a Filipino-American woman? All right. So I identify as Filipino-American because my dad's American and my mom's Filipino. Mm -hmm. So my sister and I actually identify as first-generation Filipino-American because we're the first combination. Mm. And then... So my sister's already told you guys the story, but I guess I'm going to expand a little bit on it. Mm-hmm. My parents met through my eldest aunt who already lived here in America, in Montana. And my dad went to Cebu with my aunt. And he, originally he was supposed to meet a, a woman on another island, mm-hmm. but that didn't happen for some reason. So after like about a week of staying at my grandparents' house, he actually asked my mom to marry him. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, they had been writing you know, before that, but she didn't really understand English at the time. But so like they were kind of familiar with each other before that, but that's a wildly short time (laughs) before proposing. And then they had a civil marriage in the Philippines. So my mom actually came to Montana on a spousal visa. Mm -hmm. So we've always considered an arranged marriage because one, it was wildly short. And two, I don't think my mom had planned on getting married. Yeah. Wow. She told me yesterday that 
it was her parents and my dad that arranged it. And I think she also mentioned my aunt had some hand in that for sure. Yeah. So my mom didn't even realize that she was inheriting three stepchildren when she married my dad. So I think she knew about one of them. Our family is a little bit complex because my dad was married twice before my mom and he has Mm -hmm. kids with both of his ex-wives. So I have an oldest sister who's a half sister. And then in his second marriage, I have a half brother and a half sister, all who are white. Mm -hmm. And so after like a couple of years of marriage, my mom was like, I want my own kids. So she, you know, had my sister and me and my parents were married for like nine years before they had a really nasty divorce. And I seen some of the paperwork on it. So their divorce was finalized by the time I was one and a half. So I've wow. never like I've never known my parents to be married or mm-hmm. to have wow. like a happy relationship. It's always been fighting. And then my mom was really concerned that my dad would be able to take us away from her. So she buckled down and she got her citizenship. So she wasn't even a citizen until after I was already a little kid. But she had said that like 9-11 really spooked her into it too. Yeah. Shortly after that, she got her citizenship. So my mom had primary custody of me and my sister when we were young. And so we, you know, we went over to our dad's a lot to... She wanted to make sure that we had a relationship with our half siblings while they were still living here. And my dad pretty much had shared custody of all his other kids. So we were all in rotation basically during summers. Wow. But yeah, so then when they all kind of left the nest, we kind of stopped going over. And with like all the rotations and all that, my dad, he was a painter. So he's an independent contractor. Things were just more stable at my mom's and she was able to give us more of a Filipino based community because we have a small community in town. Mm-hmm. And for us growing up, it was like a bunch of single Filipino moms who divorced white guys and decided <laughs> to bring all of their half kids together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None of us spoke any of our mother's native language. Yeah. It was just, you yeah. know, English and you know, being the youngest and like the more white kids of the bunch, things were a little different. But yeah, it was it was fun. <laughs> we, we really did grow up like thinking of them as like our cousins. And so we have that illusion of growing up with a big family, but really it was just like the three of us for the most part. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I can relate. I mean, I remember talking to your sister a little bit about that background story that you just gave and how she mentioned that you guys were basically raised by a community of like Filipino aunties. And so you did have that like family dynamic, like you said, of growing up in a big family with a lot of kids around, although they weren't necessarily your siblings or your blood family. I was, you know, the same way for my mom and my dad, I'm their only child together, but my dad has other kids and has stepkids from other marriages. And then I was mainly raised around like hanging out with my cousins all the time who were groups of like five in each cohort. And so I also feel that sense of like, oh, those are like my siblings, but at the end of the day, they're not. Cause then I also go home to my other parent where it's just me, you know? So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I appreciate you and your sister sharing your upbringing, because I think that it highlights that not all of us, like the Filipino family is not monolithic. It doesn't always look the same. We don't always come from the same mom and the same dad. And 
there is a lot of hybrid families that have different unconventional dynamics, I guess. But in the end, the culture, your Filipino culture is so strong that even just the time that, you know, you spent with your mom and the way that she raised you guys had such an impact on you. That's the way that you identify today, you know? And so I think that I can just relate to that feeling very sure about who I am, like as a Filipino woman and still, you know, in my late twenties, unclear about how I identify as an American woman, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I just think that's such an interesting story about you know, all the moms, all the single moms, you know, coming together, having divorced their white husbands, <laughs> you know, I'm here with a white husband. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> is this my future? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. No, I'm just kidding. I say that really differently, <laughs> but I, I, I can see the struggle, you know, like I, I obviously, I don't know your mom and I, I don't know the aunties that had raised you, but you know, in being in an interracial marriage, there's clear cultural differences and there's clear moments where my husband and I just miss each other. You know, like we just don't get each other. We have to like literally explain things and like <laughs> reference culture and history to be like, this is why I have a deadpan face. If you look at my mom, she was so conditioned to not have emotions. Like, this is why I act the way that I do. Like, this is why I'm not as animated as you, you know, like all these things of like really having to try to explain that. And, you know, yeah. we actively are in couples counseling counseling because, you know, part of what it is too, is that we work together. So there's a lot of layers to, you know, our relationship and having to unpack all of that. So I hear the struggle and I hear how relationships can not work out because of just really that fundamental, like cultural difference that like, you're just never like our American counterparts may not ever understand you know, our culture. And even it's just, it's just quite fascinating. And so I'm curious, like, you know, what has that in a sense experience been like for you? And, 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 you know, this is sort of a question I'm asking Nani as well. And I, I know we've had this conversation so many times, but like, you know, how has that experience been kind of knowing that you're like the, you know, you're the product of that in a sense, you know, like these two different yeah. cultures coming together and then unfortunately not having worked out, but like, here you are, you, you still exist, <laughs> you know, like they may not be together anymore, but you still exist. Like any thoughts on that? Like, am I making any sense? Cause I I'm just so like, I may not be mixed, but like, I mean, I deal with my own cultural, like balancing different cultures, but even till this day, I'm, I'm always so fascinated by, you know, people such as Nani who, you know, come from a mixed background to be like, wow, like, how do you, like, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as ignorant as that sounds, like I, I'm curious from, from your perspective, Michelle, and then of course, Nani, I'd love to hear you again, <laughs> you know, explain that. Yeah, I can, I can go first and then you okay. can piggyback Michelle. So basically I appreciate you asking that, Jen. I know that you feel maybe a little weird, like you don't want to be like stepping on anyone's toes by asking that. But I think that that is like the epitome of the internal conflict that makes people feel. And yeah. for me, that's something that I've been thinking a lot, a lot about, especially recently, now that I have a baby on the way, who's going to be even more mixed than I am <laughs> Yeah, in all the ways. And so it is something that I'm really thinking about how those two things manifest in one person. And I think that interracial marriages, especially within like Filipino and American cultures, really highlights like that relationship between the colonized and the colonizer. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult as an individual to learn how you identify 
exhibiting both of those or embodying both of those, you know, it's like you're the colonizer and the colonized in one body. And that is really, really difficult to navigate, especially in the climate that we have today of, you know, the time that we're living through where identity politics is so forefront and it's so Mm -hmm. important and it's so we're allowed to lead with that now you know Mm -hmm. I think that the generation that our parents come from is just not like that like they didn't focus a lot on that because they had to worry about other things like giving us food and keeping a roof over our heads and you know we have the privilege of being able to really unpack that and ask ourselves what does that mean for us and so I think that that's something that again I feel very rooted in my Filipino identity just because of my upbringing and how prominent the culture was in how I shaped myself as an individual. But as like a white American woman, I don't necessarily know how to answer that question yet. And so it's something that I still am actively working through. And yeah, again, I just, I hit a rock wall. And so I appreciate being able to talk to people like Michelle and your sister, April, who kind of share that same disconnect, internal disconnect. And I think it really fuels our motivation to dive into what we do know, which is our Filipino identity and how we can, you know, I guess, lead with that more when the world outside or externally, people may see us as something different, but inside this is where we feel like we belong. This is where we feel like we contribute most to. This is where we feel like at home. And so, yeah, there is just this constant struggle of like not feeling like you're able to fit into either of these spaces entirely and being stuck somewhere kind of in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nani, for sharing that and continuing to, I guess, indulge me in that conversation because, you know, it's sort of like this weird like, I feel like I'm having this outer body experience of someone asking me, like, what are you? No, what really, really, what are you? Where are you really from? And I feel yeah. like I'm that to you, you know, when I, <laughs> when I ask those questions. So I'm, you know, and, and why I'm okay with kind of just, you know, failing forward or like kind of just messing up like right now is because as a community, we're still trying to find that language. Like we're still trying to find that verbiage. And so I also appreciate you just even acknowledging for yourself that you kind of hit a wall on this and are still trying to find the words. And, you know, as we often say on the show, we hope that collectively we can find the words together. So thank you for that, Nani. And Michelle, would you like to answer that or piggyback off of Nani or share your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely, I'm going to piggyback off of that. So I have always struggled with like where to kind of identify myself because I kind of feel like where you're white on the outside and brown on the inside. There you go. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite treats, but I don't know how to make it. <laughs> but anyway, so when I was a kid, you know, like we always identified as half Filipino when we were younger because our, you know, our mothers really it's instilled the your Filipino like your Pine pride in you. Mm-hmm. But you know, with me being like the lighter skin of my siblings and of our little mixed kid community. Let me try to collect my words here. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's a difficult, it's a difficult thing to think through. Like even I, when I talk about it, feel like I'm like talking in circles sometimes because I'm like, there's this much that I've figured out about the internal conflict that I feel, but I don't like Jen said, really have the language to like know what to do with that or know where to take that or know what kind of like statement to make about it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with what it was like growing up kind of at my dad. So as I mentioned before, my half siblings are white. So my brother didn't really, he wasn't really around much because he, he was older and, you know, he's a boy and he went off into the military, but with my sisters, for some reason, they always wanted to like compare skin colors. Oh, wow. Because like my mom was brown. So like, it was always accepted that my sister April was like brown or, I mean, she's not that brown, so I just darker. But then like with me, it was like, you know, I was kind of that I'm kind of the same color as you, but I'm still not. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of just instilled this like, you know, white on the outside, brown on the inside. And that has always been a struggle for me. So when we finally went to the Philippines, I think I was, I was 12. So this was back in like, I want to say 2010. We kind of, you know, we went from saying, oh, we're half Filipino to being Filipino American and like kind of being more accepting of the American part. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so, okay. I was listening to your podcast actually right before I hopped on and I want to say it was like episode 99, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. There were a couple that I was listening to. So I like stopped halfway through one and started on another one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you guys are talking about like the shock of like little kids being kind of racist and wondering like where that comes from. And my first experience with that was I was in fourth grade and we were reading, like learning about history. We were learning about circumnavigation and Magellan. And at the end of the article, it kind of just said like, oh, Magellan died in the Philippines, but not really explaining more than he was in a war. Mm -hmm. So the kid next to me, who's, you know, white and, you know, we played football together at recess. He just like stood up and was like, that's why I hate Filipinos. And so my immediate reaction was like, oh, this kid's ignorant. He has no idea what he's saying. So I'm like, dude, I'm Filipino. And I don't remember what happened after that. I don't remember God, if my God. teacher really like went in there and like had a discussion about it. My memory like blinks after that. Mm-hmm. But that part was significant enough. Wow. I mean, I, I, could, I would be caught off guard too. You know, if someone just candidly be like, that's why I hate Filipinos. You're like, uh, hello, like I'm Filipino. Yeah, he, he, I, I know that he, because th- there's nothing about him that says he's racist. Mm-hmm. So I just, I know that he said it out of ignorance. But, you, you know, it was stuff like that when I was a kid. And then in 2017, I went to Job Corps. So I had moved in with my brother for a little bit, trying to like reconnect with my half siblings in Nevada. And I wasn't ready to go home. So I decided to go to Job Corps. The majority of the people there were either Black or Hispanic. So I was like a double minority being Asian and being white. There were some Pacific Islanders, like Samoans, I think. Mm-hmm. But there's not really a lot of Asian kids. So I couldn't really connect with that, even though there's you know plenty of Filipinos in Reno. But it, we were in a gated community, so we didn't really have that access. So for me, it was either I fit in with the white kids or I fit in with the, you know, Hispanic kids. And I kind of picked both. I took the automotive classes there because I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> I was like, I want to learn how to work on my car. I live in Montana. It's like a necessity. 
(laughs) that's um, how I got into there. And, you know, it's that section of the the programs are kind of dominated by more white students and like kind of, you know, like the country boys, I guess. So, you know, I found kind of solace in that because I was like more similar to Montana for me. But then, you know, there's a lot of like varieties of Latino and Hispanic students there. And a lot of people were like, oh, I thought you were Mexican. <laughs> like when they found out that, no, I'm not super white, but I'm also not, you know, fully Asian. And then like, you know, a lot of people did think that I was just white because they only looked at the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. So I did experience some like prejudice because of that. Not like widespread prejudice or anything. It was just like certain people that were kind of rude to me because they perceived me to be white. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of launched my identity crisis. I think what I'm hearing is basically you've been all these places and you've inserted yourself in all these different spaces, whether it be at school or in Reno living with your brother or back home in Montana. And you've just been really always searching for belonging and like where you fit in, like we were talking about earlier. And I feel like for us mixed kids, we're always very hyper aware that we're not enough to be in these white circles and we're not enough to be in these fully Filipino circles. And so we let other people define that for us. And I think that that, you know, always turning externally to someone else to tell you where you belong is exhausting, you know, especially as a child, especially as a child that's moving around a lot and whose family, you know, it's not just the outside world that's doing this to you and telling you, you know, where you belong or how you should feel about yourself or, you know, the story of Magellan is supposed to make you hate (laughs) Filipinos. Like it's not just the outside world. You're also experiencing that at home in your split household, you know, going from your moms to your dads and really only feeling safe around that community that you had with your mom and all of the aunties that raised you essentially, but not being able to really display that on the outside for other people to understand about you. Yeah. And it was hard when I came back from that experience. So I lived there for a year, which is actually where I met my fiance who is Cuban. So we're a biracial or a mixed race couple. Mm-hmm. And so our kids are going to be like yours, not me. Like yeah. Yeah. And yeah. But when I came back, I felt real like more displaced than when I did when I was actually at Reno because I was like, I felt like such an outsider. Like, yeah. you know, here there are like these women who helped raise me, but now I feel like an outsider. And so since then, I've kind of like, you know, you're right. I have been searching for like my own community and I definitely have found it in like mix individuals because that's primarily what there are out here. Yeah. And at a certain point, it no longer becomes about like, oh, I'm Filipino. So I need to find Filipino spaces to fit into. It's, you know, I was raised the same way. I wasn't raised around a lot of outside of my family, like where I went to school And where I lived, there was not a lot of Filipinos. There was not a lot of Asians. I actually can't name more than like two or three that I went to elementary school with. Everyone else was Black, white, or Latinx. And so that's who I grew up around. That's who I related to. Those are who my best friends are, you know, even still today. And the people that I was able to make the closest connections with are mainly people from the Black community or from the Latinx community. And so it no longer becomes about like, trying to 
prove yourself by the way of how you identify, but just like who accepts me for who I am and who can just like give me the grace to understand that it's not a straightforward answer, you know? Right. Like I actually connected with Rain on that because I had just listened to your episode and I follow pretty much everyone who like comes on the show. So (laughs) I messaged her because her episode was like being in the Philippines, but not feeling like she belonged there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's like how I felt, but like the white version of that. Yeah. So, and it it was pretty great that she's in Reno. I was planning to make a trip up there this summer and like kind of connect with her in person. But, you know, my plans changed this summer because I got a summer job with the state. So (laughs) that, that really altered plans and then it's louise's turn to oh that's my fiance's name by the way his name is louise it's his turn to come up here so he's never been to montana when the weather is nice he only knows what it looks like here in the winter Mm. (laughs) i don't know when i'm gonna be up there but when i do i definitely want to connect with rain and maybe go get some boba yeah well shout out to rain i feel like rain's our new stacy not rain is like probably the most popular person on our show as of lately yeah Um, everybody loves rain and understandably i mean we are so glad that we got to have that interview with her and that it was just so impactful to so many people in so many different ways for so many different reasons we're just really glad that we got to shine a little bit of her light for everybody. And I think that her willingness to be open and vulnerable and just share all the ugly parts of her story that are really not ugly, they're really beautiful. But, you know, because of the shame that we carry around those kinds of experiences, we are made to believe that they're ugly. And so I just love that our community has come together to reach out to her and like just show her and express to her how impactful her sharing that really was. And so... Yes, if you have the chance to, please meet up with Rain. Please get a bobo with her. We think she's amazing. We love her. She's, yeah, she's an incredible person. Yeah, and if you want to reach out to Rain or learn her story, the very popular one as of late, uh, check out episode 90 which came out the beginning of the year, January 22nd. So not so long. I mean, it's already like halfway through the year, but still, I was like, it still feels like that was yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we've only known her for like half a year. Like that's so It feels like we've known her forever. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it's just incredible. Like we send each other like audio messages and, you know, I know, I know she talks with you as well and she works with your family. It's just, it's just really, really, really cool. Once again, to see what this community is cultivating when we listen to each other's stories and, you know, reach out and connect and say, Hey, like, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, you know, for our listeners every now and then Nani will have like a day one listener finally reveal that they have been listening from day one. And first of all, I absolutely appreciate that. Like, it's okay if you don't want to like make yourself known, like it's totally, totally fine. I think what I'm trying to say is like, you know, if you have just been listening, like there's a different experience when you share your story, right? It's like when you're on here, when you're actually putting yourself out there and sharing your vulnerability and I just hope that for our listeners, whether they, you know, come out of the woodworks and let us know that they have been listening to our show or actually come on. I just want to let you know that the experience on this side is so fun, you know, because you really get to be a part of this community, like so much that again, Nani and I have slowed down in our interviews because like, we want to nurture these relationships now. Like we got a lot of work to do. (laughs) We got a lot of networking to do, you know, and we're very proud of that. We're proud that we have this long waiting list of people still wanting to be on our show and just know that we're doing that out of love that when you're on the show, like it is your time to shine. And we want, we are very invested in you and 
you know, what you're doing and your journey and all that stuff. And so anyway, with that said, Michelle, I just want to thank you for sharing all of this and sharing where you're currently at right now. And I know that in the notes here, you know, you've kind of come to a place where you want to become the representation that you want to see on social media. And I love that because I think that if you don't feel represented in a certain area, that's a sign that you need to be that representation. Right. And so any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, I have been like trying to become that representation. I'm working on trying to create a new club at my school. And I also have an interview next next week for student ambassador at my college. So this club that I'm trying to create, I'm working with a friend of mine. He's Vietnamese American. Mm-hmm. And we called it MIMO. So that might change. But it's basically, we're trying to create a club for minorities and mixed minorities. And some of the scholarships that I've been working on my student government to push forward, which we've allocated for some of these is just like trying to bring in like more students that are from different backgrounds, you know, like my school happens to be very, very white and also like mostly non-traditional students because it's a community college. Mm. So I'm working on like trying to promote the college to like local students and students who are of color, mixed minorities. Hopefully that kicks off while I'm still there and not like after I'm already gone. But if that happens, then that's great too. Yeah. And you created it for you, you know, like, I mean, of course it'd be great if it continues on, but like, it's something that you needed. And that is important. That comes first and foremost. And to be able to surround yourself with people who believe in that as well, or want to support that. Like if it's just for you guys, great. If it continues to last, that's great too. Yeah. And we actually have a neighbor a couple doors down that has lived here for a while, but we've never really interacted partially because my mom, like she works graveyard. So Mm -hmm. we don't really get out of the house very much during the daytime, but we went on a walk, which was not normal of us to do, Mm -hmm. but they happened to be outside. So my mom's like, Hey, where are you from? And like, we had always thought that maybe they were Chinese, but it turned out that they came over from Brazil, but they're Mm -hmm. like, mostly Japanese, which is really cool. So yeah, and it turned out like we had like connections that we didn't realize like that we knew people who knew each other. Mm -hmm. And so we've actually we've been like playing volleyball, like almost every week now. Wow! And there's like other, you know, Asian or mixed people that go and it's a lot of fun. It's also like it's non competitive. It's not judgmental at all. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that's been kind of like my community during the summer. Mm -hmm. I love that. Cool. Well, Michelle, with that said, let's go ahead and talk about life today. You've already hinted at this, you know, organization that you're starting up and being able to, you know, have a ton of fun and right now with, you know, doing volleyball and what have you, but what else is going on in your life? What's keeping you busy and excited about life nowadays? Yeah. So I've already touched Based on that I got a summer job, mm-hmm. but that happened really fast. Like I found out about it the weekend we went to go see my sister for her birthday. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I reached out because it was some good money <laughs> and then <laughs> got the job like instantly, which was really unexpected. Mm-hmm. And Congratulations. So I, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting experience. Like they hired me on the spot, which is not normal. Yeah, And then I started literally the next day, which again, isn't very normal. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) the sooner the better. (laughs) And this is working for the state, you said? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm working as a temp 
basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm finally going to get to meet the person who's actually works that position that I'm temping as. Oh, okay. So I'll be exciting. I'm going to get a lot of job experience from that. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, volleyball, clubs. Yeah, I met with my future VP on, you know, student government because I'm now the president. And, wow. you know, because of oh. COVID, we have like nobody <laughs> <laughs> we, we started reading over our bylaws and realized how much work they actually need. So if I can get to any of that this summer, that will be great. Yeah, you're going to be busy. <laughs> then in January, I got engaged. So that was pretty oh, cool. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Yes, congratulations. Big year for you. Yeah, seriously. I can't believe the fourth time he proposed to me, but this time he had a ring. So. <laughs> <laughs> So it was official. Yeah, it was like your families can't deny it anymore. <laughs> There's a ring. Yeah. He, he actually proposed to me in our favorite, what we each consider to be the favorite room of the house. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sound really romantic and he'd probably hate me for sharing this, but he actually proposed to me in the bathroom. <laughs> oh. That's like the one room of the house I always have to see when I go into someone else's house. Oh, <laughs> The bathroom is definitely my favorite room in the house, too. (laughs) It was a very private, like, I mean, obviously it was a private moment because, you know, we were in the bathroom and the door is closed. And I think he didn't really want to, like, display that for, like, the other guests to see because we were also celebrating his birthday before we left. So, like, we had cake, but it was like three of us knew that he had just proposed. Wow. Other people there. It was actually a really sweet experience and a really sweet memory. It sounds kind of weird, but it was it was very, very heartfelt. Yeah, that's all that matters is that it's a unique experience to you guys and that you cherish that moment forever. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else about your life today that you want to share with our listeners before we transition to the life lesson? The only thing else that I had like told you guys about in my little application for the interview was that Louise is going to get his citizenship soon. So wow, currently long distance, Mm -hmm. which we haven't for the past couple of years, but he's eligible for citizenship at the end of the year. And awesome. Then hopefully we'll be able to live together next year when he moves here. Congrats to him. Oh my gosh. Now I have questions about this long distance relationship. So like, so, I mean, I know that's like normal for both of you, but like, like, how's that like? <laughs> it's, it's hard. Like, yeah, you know, I think, I don't know if other people experience this in their long distance relationships, but there's a lot of arguing because you can't like, you know, you don't get to be physically intimate. You can't like hug and stuff. So yeah. you're kind of like, you know, that's stressful. So you find ways to argue. Yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, there's more to it that, I probably shouldn't share like <laughs> everyone else, but if they follow me on Instagram, there is one post where I do talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of the things that was hard when at first, when he, so he still lives in Reno, but he was supposed to move back to Vegas um, after he finished shop for Instead, he moved in with a roommate and that was hard. Like, but I knew like this was something he needed to experience for himself. And so I've been, you know, trying to be supportive of it. He's one of the things for him was like to grow as a man because he's from Cuba and he moved 
to America in 2016, which mm. is like a year before we met. So he wow. he's kind of going through like that rite of passage that a lot of Americans and a lot of immigrants go through, which is, you know, having kind of like their place of their own and having their first car. Right. So he's he's going through that. And that's something that I think is necessary for him to go through. But it's been hard to like be apart because when we do argue, like, you know, and you can read all about it in Nani's blog about <laughs> self-soothing and, you know, was it co-soothing? What is it? Uh, co-regulation. Yeah. Co-regulation. That's right. Yeah. We actually, we read that together because oh. we're going through some stuff and he wasn't understanding me. And, you know, which is common when you're not the same, you know, race and also not the same gender. You have a lot of miscommunication. (laughs) Yep. But yeah. And like once he finally like read it, instead of me just telling him about it, he like started to understand what I needed from him. So like, I mean, when I say we argue, it's not like, you know, it's not anything that will cause us to break up, but. Yeah. yeah. Oh, trust no, me. it's okay. Everyone argues. I think that that's normal in any relationship, whether it's, you know, a romantic relationship, a friendship, your relationships with your family, we all argue and we can't expect not to because we're human beings with our own opinions and our own thoughts. So as long as we are able to, you know, operate based on our own brain, our own systems, it's natural for disagreements to come up and it's healthy to work through them. And I just appreciate about your fiance that he is willing to sit down and, you know, read a blog post that you read that I think that a lot of times when you argue with your spouse, especially being long distance and feeling like you have to be present in that conversation with that person, it means a lot to hear an outside perspective and maybe have someone that you don't even know, such as me, you know, Mm -hmm. in a blog post explaining something to you. And although maybe you've probably said the same thing to him a million different times, coming from someone else that has a different impact, right? Especially for men. So (laughs) I appreciate that about him. And I think that that's a really good foreshadowing sign for your guys' future, that he's willing to, you know, sit down and be open-minded to those mm-hmm. different perspectives other than just yours when you guys aren't seeing eye to eye. Yeah. And for him, he's like, he's so faithful. He's so loyal. And part of that is like, his parents are amazing. He comes from a great family mm-hmm. and his, like his parents are married. Like his grandparents were married. So divorce is like, not, you know, not a, a thing. Yeah. yeah. And for me, like coming from like divorced parents Mm. like especially at the beginning you know I'd watch a movie and be like reflecting on it out loud and then he you know he would get like upset because he wasn't included in like the vision of how I would raise my kids I was like but I can't you know say how you would you know raise our kids with me because you're a different person you're gonna do different things Mm -hmm. and we've it's gotten better from there like he's he's starting to like really understand so he reminds me like you know he's not my dad or my brother and then he's a lot like my mom and my sister so yeah he's great he works really hard especially like at the beginning you know I would like stonewall because that's just how I responded to things and like Jen was saying like this certain kind of thing about you is like you don't you're not overly animated and he's you know he's Cuban so he's very animated (laughs) I constantly hear comments about that. 
Yeah. I'm just like, I was like, you know, honey, you got to like spend more time with my mom. You'll understand me so much better, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause I am very like, yeah, very deadpan face, especially around him. I think for me, because he is very animated and I don't know, you can tell me if your fiance is kind of like this. It's like, it's just a lot of stimulation for me. Like when he's like really animated or he has like a great, a big, another big idea that he wants to share with me, or he's like trying to surprise me or trying to make me laugh. And I feel like the deadpan face helps me process what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like I, no, I get I that. <laughs> like I'm not like in improv. Like I don't, I don't react right away. You know, like I, I can't, I don't have improv skills, you know, like maybe I'm, I'm learning standup right now, but that's so different than improv, you know? And so it's like, I don't have that immediate reaction. I'm just like, I'm like, okay. Like the reason why I, I look like this is because I'm loading, like I'm processing, like what yeah. you're trying to throw it at me. It takes me a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll see what it is for me too, because I don't always like understand right away. Like when someone makes a joke. Yeah. It, like sometimes it's just like one of those jokes. You just don't know how to react because you've <laughs> either heard it like a million times and you still haven't figured out how to react to it. <laughs> or yeah, it just like yeah. takes you a minute. And then like with other people, when they're interacting with someone who doesn't, get that they're joking right away I'm like for some reason I pick up on that so quickly I'm like they were just kidding that was them being sarcastic not his dry sense of humor yeah it's funny when I try to joke with Scott my husband like I come off offensive you know like because I'm very literal I have like literal jokes and then you know he's obviously looking at me as if like I just like stabbed him or something he's like you know yeah that's not funny and then I say like that was a joke. <laughs> like I was trying to be funny and it's really bad. like, I can't think of like an example right now, but like, I'll literally have to state, like I was being sarcastic, you know, and it was still with a serious face. He's like, well, then why aren't you laughing? I was like, I don't laugh at my own jokes. That's your job. You're supposed to laugh at my jokes, <laughs> you know? And it's cause, cause he laughs at his jokes. So I'm just like, okay, like we're not the same, you know, yeah. like, but, uh, couples counseling works really well. BT dubs. I'm not suggesting that to you. I'm just saying in general, I was like, that helps a lot. Cause it kind of like how you and your fiance read, you know, Nani's blog. It's like, it is good to have that third party. And to me, what matters the most in relationships is just that willingness to want to work with each other. Like if, if Scott didn't go to couples counseling with me, if he didn't want to like learn more about me and understand me, like this be a different conversation, but the fact that he's committed, you know, and, and that's what, whether it's romantic or platonic, like that's what I usually just look for in relationships. Like we may not be on the same page, but are you willing to work on trying to get there? You know, and it sounds like you two are doing that, you know, and, and studying something even as, even as um, Nani's blog and, and understanding that kind of, you know, how to co-regulate and what have you. I think that's just like what Nani said. I think you're set up <laughs> for success. If you guys are doing that very early in your relationship, especially now that you're engaged. Yeah. I think he, he was, very good about co-regulating when we were in person with like hugging and like making sure that he fixed things before we went to bed because I would like you know I would get upset some woman and things happen and sometimes you're a little too sensitive but well yeah. first of all it's okay to be sensitive <laughs> and it's not just because you're a woman it's because it's who you are and that's okay yes <laughs> It's always fun to talk about relationships, to be honest. I mean, actually, our, our last interview with Catherine Fabria, I mean, the, the quote of that episode was, you know, a lot of being Filipino has a lot to do with our relationships. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's like the reason 
everyone's story is so compelling is because of our relationships. Like who, who taught us to feel like we weren't enough, you know, who empowered us to own our space. You know, it's, it's all about everything we're sharing, like is a result of people in our lives or even, you know, people in other people's lives that influence them to influence us a certain way. So I, I like hanging out <laughs> and just kind of indulging and talking about our spouses because that's always a fun topic. <laughs> But I want to go ahead and talk about your life lesson, Michelle, because I think it's a really good life lesson worth noting. And the life lesson that you want to share with us today is that if you are of Filipino descent living in America, to not let other people or the color of your skin get in the way of you proudly identifying Filipino American. And I love that. Go ahead and and elaborate more on that. And, you know, hopefully this will also give other people inspiration to really just own, you know, being Filipino American. Yeah, so my sister has been a big influence on my life in good ways and bad ways. You know, I was probably more like a well-behaved Filipino child when I was younger and then she kind of corrupted me. <laughs> there are like certain things I do are very American, but, you know, she's been my biggest ally and Louise has been a wonderful ally too and very supportive of me, like trying to get like more in touch with who I am as a Filipino American. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my sister, she's learning Visayas, Buana right now. And that's really cool. She could speak that when she was little, but then, you know, when they came back to the U.S. after that trip, she was very confused about whether or not to speak English or Visaya to certain people. So my mom just kind of stopped teaching us. Mm-hmm. And eventually, like, I want to do that, but school's been really hectic for me and I just can't focus on that, which, you know, I feel like that's fine now because there's a lot of people who share their stories on the show that they didn't even really get in touch with who they were as Filipino American women until they were older. Yeah. So I'm not trying to push myself to be in a hurry, but just like having that ally in your life. And someone who like recognizes you for who you are, it makes a huge difference. And for me, the show has also done that. So that's, you know, where I'm at in life. I'm so thankful to you both. And of course, my sister. (laughs) I think it's really beautiful that you guys are able to go through life together, you know, feeling so ostracized in all the different spaces that you found yourself in. At least you've always had each other. And at least you've always been able to share that kind of sentiment or, you know, even though you say she's corrupted you and, you know, done all the things that a big sister is supposed to do. <laughs> she's still... for defending bigger sisters, BT dubs. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I don't have a bigger sister, but my cousin Monique, who you guys met in episode whenever, she was definitely like that for me. And although, you know, anything bad I've ever done in my life is probably because of her. I still, I have learned so much from her and I would not at all be who I am today without her. So um, she's, you know, guided my life experience in a lot of ways that I'm very, very grateful for. And so I know that you feel the same way about April, despite whatever she may have gotten you into (laughs) in the past. But I think that it's really something special for you guys to be to feel like such outsiders together, you know, growing up side by side and so close in age and, you know, just staying so close to relate to one another and now finding this community where you can expand on that and where you both feel like you can have, I hope, feel like you have a second home and second big sisters, you know, in Jen and I, because 
that is essentially what we're here for. And that is essentially why we do this every single week. So I appreciate you sharing the impact that it's had on you and even the interactions that you've had with my blog and sharing them with your boyfriend. It's just, it's really meaningful, the connection that you've made with us, especially through the private emails as well that we've talked pretty extensively through. So yeah, we just appreciate you being a part of this community. Again, we hope you feel like this is a second home for you. We hope that you feel like we're your sisters and that we're here to guide you in the right direction. And if, you know, there's anything on your mind, you know where to find us, you know how to reach us. And we just hope that you continue to do that and also build on the community that that with the other people that we've interviewed, such as Rain, you know, next time you're in Reno, we hope that you get a chance to catch up with her too. Yeah, thank you. And same. So she'll probably be hearing from me sometime <laughs> this summer. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we're coming after you, Rain. <laughs> we love you. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that, Michelle. And yes, we, we are bad influences too, by the way. So we could be your bad influence. Big <laughs> Join us on Christmas with Jen and Ani. <laughs> but what I really liked about what you said is that, you know, as you're starting to really kind of own your space and really embrace who you are, you are associating yourself with resources, people, voices that help you go in that direction, such as our show. And I think that is the most important thing that if we're looking for change, we have to, in a sense, change our friends, like change, maybe not necessarily change, but like add, add those influences, like intentionally add new influences in our life. And so I just applaud you, you know, for doing that, for wanting to do that. And you know, just like, just to piggyback off of what Nani said, we're just so grateful that this show has been such a positive impact in your life and not just the show, but even in engaging with Nani's blog notes by Nani.com, by the way, just helping you do some promo here. And, you. uh, you know, you so, <laughs> gotta do that because people are like, wait, what's, what's Nani's blog? Oh, here it is. Notes by, notes by Nani.com. We never really say that publicly, Nani. It's so funny. That's like, true. That's we have like true. our own websites, but we never talk about it. So I'm, I'm going to talk I about never it. think to do that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And for so, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like a podcasting thing. It's like when you're, when you're talking about something and you need to reference a website, you bring it up because the listener's yeah. like, Oh, I can look it up while I'm listening. So one more time notes by nanny.com. You're welcome everyone, but no, thank you just for being a part of this. And you know, it's so crazy to think here we are like a hundred plus episodes later. And I just, with just sort of the turmoil of life, even for me, I bring this up quite often, just like really feeling rooted out here in the East coast and trying to establish myself. Like this has been such a great thing to have, like, even though it's, it's for everyone, it's for me too, you know, to know that like, I have a community I can come back to and I can talk to, and I can have these very candid conversations that, you know, you're not always going to have with people in public or in, in a group setting. So to be able to have like these conversations in this fashion has been such a gift. So thank you for being a part of that online and offline. And I think that's it. I think I, that's all I have to say. Is, it, is there anything else, Michelle, that we haven't covered that <laughs> you want to share with our listeners before we go? Yeah. Um, the only thing I can really think of right now is I did say this before we started recording, but I'm going to do it again for my sister's benefit. The reason that we added Bilius into our names was because we were supposed to have that as our middle name, which is common in Filipino families, but my dad had other plans. So my sister was born with her name before my mom woke up from, you know, after childbirth. And then with me, I actually had my middle name picked out before my first name. So the hospital is kind of mad at my parents for that. 
which my middle name's Isabel, which is after my paternal grandmother who had died when my dad was four. But wow. eventually I'm going to add Vilius into my name permanently. And I'll probably, my fiance and I've actually been talking about how we're going to do our last name because he has two last names. <laughs> and, and I have a lot of last names. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> So we were thinking that we'll probably combine our mother's last names to have like two last names and then pass that down to our kids. Yeah, that's beautiful. I always wanted a long name. So that's really like, that's going to have a lot of syllables. That's for sure. <laughs> like, whatever you end up choosing in the end, I know it's going to be long and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's like, call me Michelle, but my full name is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like just so much in between. No, I love it. Well, you know, again, to our listeners, if you want to go ahead and reach out to Michelle, you could find her on Instagram at worldbit as well as Shelly Bean 32. And of course, we'll have that in the show notes for you if you want to look it up there. And I don't know, Nani, any closing thoughts before I do my official official wrap up? <laughs> no, just thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. We really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for sharing more of your story and perspective from everything that April shared with us in her interview. And it's just so good to put a face to the name and kind of connect the dots and learn more about your guys' family background. So thank you for sharing with us today. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Michelle. And of course, to our listeners, of course, if you want to get a hold of us, our phone number is 415-484-8329. I don't mention this enough, but when you do text us or leave a voice message, because I want you to leave a voice message, please, I would love it. Um, Nani and I receive it. We both get it. Like we both have access to that phone number. So when you're texting that number, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone by getting a hold of both of us. And so if that's one way you want to get a hold of us, like if you want to be efficient, that's a number to text and leave a voice message. 415 484 8329. And of course, you can check out the show notes of this episode for our contact information or visit our website at tfaproject.com. That's tfawproject.com. And last but not least, I have a lot of call to actions at the end. If you want to financially support our show and also learn about our new private podcast show, Chismas with Jen and Nani, check out our website, biasboba.com. All right, I'm done. We love you all. Thank you all so much for your time. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Hey, bye.